Hello everybody uh, and Kia Ora. Today we will talk uh, about the recommended changes to the guidance uh, in the Austro's Guide to Road Tunnels Part 2, Planning, Design and Commissioning, uh, on rationalizing road signs to divert, over height and dangerous goods vehicles from tunnels. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a Communications Officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with the Project Manager and one of the presenters, uh, Bob Allen. Bob will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. First of all, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Program, which is managed by Ross Gadby. A little bit of housekeeping. Um, so our presenters will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session at the end of the webinar. The report and the slides today's session is based on can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any time during the webinar. Um, if your question relates to any particular slide, include the number of that slide in your message uh, to help us answer your question as best as we can. You can also use that same question uh, box to let us know if you have any technical problems. But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session uh, via your registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today. So we will first hear from Bob Allen and Marcus uh, van der Felden. Bob uh, joined the Sydney Harbour Tunnel project in May 1992 and currently holds the position of general manager responsible for all aspects of tunnel operations. Prior to that, uh, Bob worked for the Sydney Monorail as a systems manager at TNT Harbourlink. Marcus is an Associate Technical Director for Arcadis Australia. He has over 23 years experience uh, providing intelligent transport systems advice for public and private um, sector clients. Marcus has been the ITS discipline lead or involved with several tunnel projects um, across New South Wales and Victoria, delivering ITS and tunnel closure systems. And our next presenters are Lindsay Edmonds and Charmaine Jo. Lindsay has over 21 years experience and study in the rail, electricity and aviation industries. He has an eclectic mix of skills in the areas of uh, enterprise risk and change management, safety and systems assurance, human factors, um, as well as training and assessment. And Charmaine uh, is a highways uh, engineer who has been involved with delivering some of Australia's largest infrastructure projects. She was responsible for developing the signage strategy for the WestConnex uh, Roselle Interchange Connection and the Sydney Gateway Project. So welcome to all our presenters and over to you, Bob. Thanks, Katarina. Afternoon, everybody. Uh, the genesis for me for this project started in about 1992. 
Overhyped trucks have been a problem for all of us tunnel operators. In 1992, we still had a toll plaza at the Sydney Harbour Tunnel and we could stop them at the toll plaza. However, we still had to then get a truck from a standing start to join 80 kilometres an hour to the left of the driver. So it's a very dangerous situation. So for a long time, uh, overhyped trucks have been problematic. But in 2007, the Sydney Harbour Tunnel went 100% electronic which meant we could no longer divert the trucks from the toll plaza. They were actually getting down to the entry portal of the tunnel at times before we could stop them. And then that would give us 20 minutes, half an hour to reverse them and move them up. In 2006, I developed a water screen to try and stop them getting in the tunnel, which was pretty effective, but it was still a long reverse. It wasn't in, in, until 2011 I was able to get the government to install red light cameras and two sets of red light cameras went in and they were pretty effective, made a huge difference, plus increasing fines. But some of the problems obviously we have and we still have, which is frustrating as an operator, is the signage which talks about 2.4, where legally it's 2.3. Truck drivers don't know whether they're, uh, they have broken the law if they're owned a 4.4, but they've broken the law if they're over 4.3. It's very confusing. However, after the red light cameras went in, we got better enforcement. But I still measure trucks that are over 4.3. So last month, just in a month, I had 916 trucks go through the tunnel, which were between 4.35 and 4.45. And I'm just one tunnel on the network. So there must be thousands of trucks every day on different networks who are breaking the law and illegally on different routes. So the aim of this, which we're all hoping for, is if we can improve the signage to prevent trucks getting to this situation in the first place. And then if they do find themselves in an awkward situation, we have much better diversion methods and a clear route when they divert them. Because I'll talk about some of your other guys listening I divert them from the tunnel and I say, where do I go? And I go, I don't know, but you're not coming here. Take that road. So let's hope we get some success out of this. Um, and with that, Marcus, I'll pass over to you. Uh, thank you, Bob. And uh, good day, everyone. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a great privilege to be able to share with you some of the work that we've been doing over the past. And as Bob says, there's, uh, there's a fair bit in it. Um, one of the things that, that we're certainly very passionate about is having been involved in a number of the uh, tunnel projects and the design projects, both in the, in the, uh, in the detailed design and the delivery. Um, we see a lot of the issues uh, coming out and uh, it, it's really it, it's really been an opportunity for us to try to take some of that learning and experience and, and roll it into this particular bit. Um, a quick run through on the team. So uh, again, uh, just as uh, uh, we've had Bob uh, Allen being a, a great support as the, as the Australia's project manager, uh, with myself as lead, uh, and certainly uh, Lindsay and Charmaine, who uh, Katrina introduced. And um, we've also had uh, the likes of Kwong uh, and, uh, and Mertha from our team uh, working in the background to, to make sure that we're, we capture um, a lot of the information going into it. 
Um, across that team, uh, again, uh, really some detailed experience in both that signage delivery uh, as well as the ITS systems delivery. And, and again, I think, yeah, just reiterating that that real piece around um, where certainly I come from, from an ITS uh, uh, traffic mobility and transport technology background. Um, and we really see that a lot of the signage side of things that relates to overhide vehicle detection uh, comes into play uh, in particular. So really just wanted to make sure that, you know, the, the impact that it has on some of the systems work that we do uh, is really covered off. And so, you know, doing that, uh, that, that full cycle. So certainly, certainly a project we've been really passionate about. Um, we've also had some really good feedback uh, and uh, probably hopefully a, a few of the, uh, the working group um, and task force members uh, on the call today. Um, uh, certainly we've we, we run through uh, the Osteroids working groups uh, into the task force to get some feedback um, and the like. So uh, just in terms of who, who was on that, uh, we've, we've had some, some great input from uh, Main Roads, uh, WA, the, the South Australians, the uh, uh, Victorians, uh, New Zealand, uh, as well as uh, uh, New South Wales and Queensland. And, and again, I think one of the other uh, pieces of the puzzle that we've also had a, a, a very keen uh, interest in is whilst we've really been focused in on tunnels, uh, we've also had a, had a bit of a thought around what it means for uh, low structures. So again, I think there's probably comparable signage and uh, mitigation measures that we need to think about uh, for all of those. Um, again, uh, a big thanks to Ross Guppy for having faith in us to, to deliver this and, and uh, Elias for helping us along the way. So what is it we were trying to do? Um, again, I think uh, Bob's probably set out some of the, the, the issues and the challenges there, but we really try to have a, a bit of a look around uh, where is the current state of play, if you like, on, on the network from a lot of the work and, and influence that we've got? What are the current signage practices in, in place? How does it stack up to, to the um, Australian standards uh, and some of the localised design guides and where are the differences at? And we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. Um, one of the things that we, when we were looking at this was really uh, a keen interest, as Bob kind of mentioned, around some of the human factors. How do people actually respond to what's on the road network? Really making sure that we're thinking about how do they, how do they actually um, see what's going on, understand it, assimilate those messages and, and what we're telling them to, to get to a, a point of taking it further forward. So um, we'll touch on some of the audience that, that we've kind of ha been, been having a think about. Um, and then really uh, uh, rolling that into the technical report, which uh, as a Katrina sees is part of the handout. So uh, uh, certainly with a, a, a good read uh, and then also some of the updates to the, the, the guide itself. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll see some of this uh, eventuating into, um, into some of the future uh, tunnel projects, which uh, are probably uh, coming along along the way. So just to, to, to kind of set, set a little bit of the ski scene, uh, when we were having a, a, a good conversation with the, uh, the Austroids working group, really trying to get a, a sense of um, where are they at? Um, how, how do you currently align? Um, really thinking about, yeah, I think some of the clear messages that came out, you can see from, from the slide of uh, that there, there was just that, that consistency uh, wasn't necessarily there. And, and, and there, was a good, there was a good drive to, to turn around and say, look, we, we need to have some, some of that. Um, and enforcement. Enforcement's always a bit of a touchy subject. Um, certainly uh, from, from the freight industry, they obviously not, uh, are not so keen on it. Uh, and, and certainly there's a, there's a big over, uh, overhead burden, but sometimes it's that carrot and stick mentality. And, and uh, I think we, we've tried to, to balance it with making sure that the information that, that does come out as part of the recommendations really works to delivering that uh, holistic um, side of things. So um, again, Moving on, so there we go. So again, just uh, as a bit of a bit of a mind dump, and um, 
uh, really what were some of the issues that 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 uh, people kind of flagged up and, and, and noted and there's a whole host of them on on there and and again i think th there was a lot of common uh, common issues and i think yeah, it, it's it's really around that that common causes of you know both that language uh, language barrier for some of the drivers uh, again uh, we're a multicultural society um, we're not necessarily uh, trying to target well we are trying to target everyone and again it's how we how we make sure that we're inclusive both in the messaging that we give to road users uh, as well as uh, some of the uh, incident diversionary pieces um, the the a, a lot of uh, a lot of the signage uh, blends into the background if you like and again that human factors piece really comes into in, into being where we'll, we'll hear from Lindsay uh, a little bit later on um, the 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 challenge of diversionary routes which don't necessarily work or people aren't necessarily aware of their journeys um, a, a common issue around not understanding their their, their, their vehicle height so th th there's a number of these common issues uh, that have been seen uh, and I think uh, I think for, for those that, that don't know in Victoria I think there is the um, uh, the, the, there's a website for uh, how many times has the uh, Montague Bridge been hit. Um, so I, I should have checked that before coming on today, but uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that the, the number isn't more than uh, more than 100 days uh, since its last strike. So again, it, it's it's a real uh, a, a real challenge for for road operators. The impact that it causes to to the network um, is is uh, both both a challenge for uh, asset maintainers as well as network operations in that wider impact uh, that we get happening. So with that, we're going to step through uh, and, and uh, hear a bit more from uh, Charmaine, who's going to take us through uh, what we've dealt with in the current signage practice. And so with that, I'll hand over to Charmaine. Thank you, Marcus. And hi, everyone. I'm Charmaine, and we'll be presenting the findings of the gap analysis and the proposed signage scheme for overheight vehicles. In consultation with the Osroads Working Group and reviewing the current signage practices for diverting overheight vehicles, the study found that the Australian Standard 1742.2 was the overarching standard used for regulatory and warning signs. These signage principles generally included at least one advanced warning sign prior to the last diversion point on approach to the tunnel or bridge and clearance information mounted on the infrastructure. In particular, New South Wales, Western Australia, Tasmania, Northern Territory and the ACT follow the Australian Standard with no supplementary requirements However, there were some additional requirements for Victoria, Queensland and Waka Katohi. As you may note from the examples presented on the next slide, Victoria largely follows the Australian standard, but also provide additional signs for alternate routes and height restrictions on those routes. Similarly, in Queensland, the typical sign layout in the standards is followed with clearances up to 4.6 metres. However, diversion route signs are primarily provided in yellow and blue, while the signage symbols by Waka Katohi, New Zealand have slight variations to the format presented in the Australian standard. Other key findings during our engagement with stakeholders and review of current signage practices in Australia and New Zealand include inconsistencies in vehicle height limits permissible without permits as shown in the table on the right. This would mean that overheight vehicle drivers would need to know the vehicle height restrictions for their route prior to commencing and obtain the required permits, which is different process for each jurisdiction. As mentioned before, the designs of overheight vehicle signs and their placement varied across jurisdictions, and in some cases within jurisdictions, particularly when there are no supplements to the Australian standard. This resulted in overheight vehicle signs being governed by project-specific requirements. Some overheight vehicle signs incorporated dangerous goods, 
tunnel clearance and diversion route information on a single sign in constrained urban areas. However, this amount of information may be difficult for overheight vehicle drivers to read, process and react in the distance to diversion point or when traveling at high speeds. Likewise, there are no guidelines on distances for placing signs relative to the diversion point. This resulted in some overheight vehicle warning signs to be placed at less effective locations. For example, near entrance ramps to a motorway where drivers would be more focused on the merging maneuver instead of reading the overheight vehicle sign. The definition of tunnel clearance varied. As mentioned by Bob, on the approach to Sydney Harbour Tunnel, warning signs advised that the tunnel clearance was 4.4 metres. However, the legal vehicle height limit is 4.3 metres. And there is a lack of consideration to human factors, which will be discussed further by Lindsay. Our study has also reached out to international counterparts to understand the efficacy of their current signage practices and take in the lessons learned from their research. The main challenges on managing overheight vehicles were found to be in three main categories, the driver's perception of vehicle height, sign content, and the route choice. It was found that just over 10% of drivers could estimate their vehicle height correctly and less than 20% within three inches or seven and a half centimetres. This was consistent with the feedback received during the stakeholder workshop, where it is noted that in New Zealand and Australia, some drivers failed to account for their load when estimating their height. In some places such as the US and UK, drivers assumed that tunnel clearances are conservative on warning signs, and as a result, grew comfortable in ignoring these signs since there is some buffer room. Generally, clearance information was widely understood However, symbols were better perceived, particularly where English wasn't the driver's first language. This would also be more prevalent to drivers in Europe, where they would need to travel between different countries. Studies also show that drivers do not plan their routes enough before starting their journey. So when faced with a choice of an undesirable and unknown detour, or the possibility of striking a bridge or tunnel, they would sometimes go with the latter. Interna international signage practices were also reviewed and it is also noted that in the UK, multiple route guidance signs provided prior to the tunnel or bridge, and any vehicle above the vehicle height limits posted on the red annulus signs could be prosecuted. In the Netherlands, a combination of static and ITS devices are used to divert overheight vehicles away from the tunnels or bridge, similar to the practices in Australia and New Zealand. This includes static signs to warn drivers of the vehicle height limit and to divert prior to the diversion point, after this point, various electronic messaging signs instruct the driver to stop while the variable speed limit signs are set to slow traffic. And just before the obstruction, there is a final overheight vehicle detection point and a set of traffic lights to stop all traffic. The Netherlands have also performed trials with diverting overheight vehicles through different ITS devices. This included using an image of the detected vehicle from CCTVs on the VMS prior to the tunnel entrance which reduced the number of overheight vehicles entering the tunnel by 40%. However, the effectiveness of this method is limited by drivers who may use different trucks on every trip and may not recognize their license plate number in time to divert from the tunnel portal. In addition, the Netherlands have also performed trials with loudspeakers prior to the tunnel when an overheight vehicle ignored the initial warning signs. Announcements were made in English and Dutch, however, a significant number of truck drivers did not understand either language and failed to stop. 
Hi everyone, uh, I'm Lindsay Edmonds and I'm the Human Factors Specialist for the project and I look forward to discussing the findings of the report and the updates to the Tunnel Guide for Overheight Vehicles. And really why should we um, integrate human factors uh, into uh, the operation? In, the in this review of the guide, it was identified that overheight vehicles continue to collide with low height tunnels throughout Australia. Within Sydney, as an example, on the main tunnel system through the city, the Lane Cove Tunnel, the Sydney Harbour Tunnel and the Eastern Distributor are all 4.5 metres, 4.4 metres high. Therefore, there are multiple opportunities for overheight vehicles to collide with these tunnels. When the tunnels were designed and constructed, for example, the Sydney Harbour Tunnel was uh, designed between February 1988 to its opening in August 1992. Human factors as a discipline was infantile and was probably not considered at the time. The tunnel feeders uh, and signage were to be implemented. Therefore, the placement and the messaging to the drivers would not have been considered and is now a legacy within the road system. At the time these tunnels were implemented, human factors within the road environment was not a standardised discipline and the processes in considering how drivers of various vehicles that interacted with the tunnels were less likely to be considered. Therefore, how drivers are provided with timely and accurate signage and information is consistent, inconsistent for each tunnel within Australia and is essentially setting up the drivers to fail by virtue of poor signage design and placement. This project was to review the current contents of the guide from the point of view and provide recommendations for the update of both the signage and importantly, how human factors expertise can integrate into providing a proactive safety outcome for overheight vehicles. The human factors review had three steps. We reviewed the current research and applicable local and international standards. We developed a case study approach showing the deficiencies within the current approach signage and location of the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, and then developed recommendations and updates to the guide to help designers interact with human factors experts in the future. The case study uh, took a GoPro video approach from the point of view of a driver in the marked lane for a vehicle to enter the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. The centre two or right hand lanes of the Warringah Freeway are marked lanes for the vehicles and are directed towards the portal of the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. The concept was to identify where the signage was positioned in relation to the driver's lane. And as you can see from the photos, as we move through it, the signage progressively gets better, but there is less and less opportunity to divert the drivers. It was identified that the position of the signage as per the pictures uh, were in an inconsistent uh, position and too far away from the driver's sight to be meaningful. Therefore, the signage, although potentially being effective by virtue of their location, do not convey the messaging and the information to the driver 
for them to be able to divert at the speed of the freeway. If the signage were in a location that would be in the driver's line of sight, there are multiple opportunities to divert over height vehicles safely and not causing a delay to the Sydney road network. If the driver misses these multiple opportunities, there are now two sets of traffic lights that are triggered prior to the tunnel portal to stop them entering the tunnel and colliding with it. The outcome of an overheight vehicle getting too close to the tunnel is ultimately a collision. However, if it does prior, stop prior, the road requires a closure and the overheight vehicle needs to be removed with, um, by one of the previous diversion points. The issues, in the, identified, the issues identified in the case study and through the report suggest that the signage content may be difficult to digest at speed. It can be difficult for English as a second language uh, drivers to interpret and that the location of the signage is not within the sight lines of the driver and will not be interpreted. Therefore, in conclusion, the guide did not give enough initial guidance to tunnel designers about considering the user experience for all types of drivers and how to engage with human factor specialists to design the feeders to the tunnel portal safety, safely and effectively. Signage in the previous version of the guide was not effective as it, as it could be delivering the message to drivers. There was an inconsistency between each state. The guide also did not give enough guidance with regards to the location of the signage and how the signage conveys the messaging required for a safe diversion. In recommendation for update on the guide, that the design and location relative to the driver's sight line is paramount. The design needs to deliver a message that is clear, concise, and if possible, picture driven. The consideration of English as a second language and how to convey a significant message to these drivers, and the consideration of the speed at which the driver is going and how the messaging can be interpreted quickly, allowing for good decision-making and ultimately a safe diversion. Now I'd like to hand back to Marcus. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Uh, and I guess just as a bit of a reminder for everyone, uh, feel free to send us your questions uh, using the, the little uh, toolbar chat bar, uh, and then let us know if there's any particular slides uh, in relation to questions that you may have. Um, so thanks for that. And, and so I think you can kind of see from from uh, certainly that that intro between Charmaine and Lindsay that, that there's a number of uh, compounding issues that that all kind of come together to to really have to think about how can we change this and what are the solutions going forward. So um, without I'll, I'll throw back to uh, Charmaine who's going to be able to take us through uh, what we had a look at in terms of some of that sign practice and and how we incorporated uh, some of the um, uh, human factors pieces into that. Um, and uh, I'll throw it to you, Charmaine. So in light of the consultation with stakeholders are taking in the lessons learned from trials, the following scheme is not intended to provide a comprehensive guide for each situation, but rather a general guideline on how overheight vehicle signs should be provided. This includes clear and consistent overheight signs and symbols. The intention of the signage scheme is to build on the principles in the Australian standard which are widely recognised by road users across the network. For example, yellow panels on signs are generally associated with warning messaging and thereby warning messaging for overheight vehicles to use the detour are retained as yellow. 
The placement of the overheight vehicle sign should consider human factors, as mentioned by Lindsay, and the distance required for an overheight vehicle to manoeuvre into the respective detour lanes. For example, if there is potential for an overheight vehicle to enter the motorway on the right-hand side due to the location of the entrance ramp, consideration should be taken to mounting the overheight vehicle signs on the right-hand side or as close to this lane for improved visibility. The provision of detour information should be continued and clearly articulated at key locations throughout the diversion and extraction route, rather than just the approach to the tunnel or bridge. As you may know on the images below, the suggested overheight symbol is an orange diamond, which allows drivers to quickly read and respond to the symbol. It is also consistent with the Australian standards with the current practice of warning signs a diamond shape. Tunnel clearance should be consistent with the legal vehicle height permissible on the route. As previously mentioned by Bob on the approach to Sydney Harbour Tunnel, the clearance information on signs should be 4.3 metres rather than 4.4 metres. And ITS devices should be incorporated as part of the overall diversion strategy where feasible. Based on the successful trials in Netherlands, this could include using CCTVs and variable message signs to advise vehicles they are over height when triggered as well as the required manoeuvre to the detour lane. Based on all this, an overview of the signage practice is shown. The order and information on the signs have been suggested based on a systematic approach to provide information in a manner of how driver awareness may be raised on the approach to the obstruction. For example, the introduction of early overheight vehicle detection signs on approach to the obstruction will advise drivers that an overheight vehicle detection system is in place and increase their awareness that their vehicle will be identified if it is above the permissible vehicle height limit. Subsequently, when the overheight vehicle warning sign begins to start flashing and corresponding detour messaging shown on the variable messaging signs, the drivers will be confident that they are the overheight vehicle and should begin manoeuvring into the diversion route. And finally, along the diversion route, the detour symbol is provided on directional signs at key locations. This can also include providing the symbol on signs such as the over-dimensional vehicle signs, which are used in some jurisdictions at the exit ramp, and supplemented by diamond-shaped detour pavement markings to reassure overheight vehicles of the diversion route. Thank you, Charmaine. Uh, and at that point, I get to uh, take over again. Um, so uh, really just uh, doing a bit of a, a, a quick run through on, on all the findings, um, a, a body of work on, going into this. Uh, we've certainly had a, a lot of correspondence with uh, the, the working group uh, and, and a big thanks to them. Um, we've also uh, reached out and had some conversations with the, the uh, Australian Standards MS12 committee. Um, and, and so very mindful that we're not, we're, we're proposing things, as Charmaine said, within within the governance, if you like, of, of the Australian standards. We're not, we're not trying to, you know, come up with something new and different, really trying to use those those formulation and frameworks. And we're aware that there is some work uh, that that committee is doing in terms of uh, updating uh, some of the signage itself. So really trying to work within that uh, as, as to where we got. Uh, and again, the, the the key the key element coming out of it was really a, how do we how do we tackle that that uh, consistency? Um, we've got a driver base that that really varies, uh, and so making sure that we're able to uh, not only have consistent messaging but also have messaging that works for for a, a combined community of, of road users to to 
tackle and, and really using that human factors side of it, um, think about the, the confusing or potentially conflicting messages. Uh, so again, just trying to make sure that uh, people are aware of their, their road environment, making it as clear as possible. Uh, and, and, and very mindful that there, there, there is, there is uh, if you're driving along, particularly on the approach to a tunnel, um, having, having worked on, on any number of designs, there, there's a lot of street furniture, there's a lot of ITS, there's a lot of uh, uh, you know, uh, traffic control uh, aspects that they all come into it. And so it's adding that layer, layer and burden over the top to make sure that you can, you can still get the clear message across, that you're still able to instigate those critical tunnel closures um, that you need. Uh, and again, at the same time as, as talking tunnels, uh, certainly we, we've been focused on tunnels. Um, there's a lot of this which applies to, to some of those low bridge structures. So um, we're, we're certainly hopeful that the, uh, the working group on, on, on that can uh, take some of the lessons uh, that we've kind of picked up and, and apply them. Um, the recommendations, uh, again, as Charmaine said, look, speak for themselves. It, it's, it's really being uh, consistent about the signage that we're doing, um, uh, appreciating that there is uh, a raft of, of tunnels which have recently been developed and, and, and starting to come to fruition, some which are already through design, um, but certainly there are a number of, uh, which, which are in the wings, if you like. Uh, and so I think we've been fortunate enough to be involved in a number of those. And, and again, I think that's where uh, key people like Charmaine have really been able to, to focus in and, and try to keep that consistency uh, across some of the projects. And I think we'd certainly try uh, using this guide, as an, uh, using the update to the guide, if you like, to make sure that we, we, we try to keep some of that momentum going to get that consistency uh, across a number of it. Um, it is quite costly uh, to, to, to go through and, and do the retrofit. Uh, and so I guess that's really for uh, the, the maintenance and uh, asset managers uh, on, on, on the call to, to really have a think about how in the long-term planning, uh, what, needs to, what needs to change, if you like, within their uh, signage strategies uh, going forward. Um, bringing in human factors, um, uh, really key to make sure that that messaging uh, is the right messaging, that it's really hitting the nail uh, for, for the drivers, you know, the symbology, the, 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 the simplicity of the message itself uh, to make sure that we're capturing uh, that road user audience. The, the, the other bit uh, around the recommendations, um, I, I think a, a big key part for us is, uh, and, and some of the feedback that came through in the stakeholder conversations and, and some of the anecdotal feedback from, from industry is uh, those, the, the, those diversionary routes which are set in place. So it, it's, it's very well for us to, to uh, propose something that says, look, this is what we need to do on the approach to the tunnel. Uh, and then after that, wash our hands and, and, and we're, we're done with it. Um, I think it's it's very clear that what we do need to do as an industry is make sure that um, uh, th there are clear messages uh, for road users that if we are diverting them, that we're not just shifting them off the road. And as Bob uh, alluded to earlier on, it's uh, I don't care where you go as long as it's not on my road. Um, and, and making sure that those uh, those alternate routes are actually viable. So I think certainly uh, we've had some some instances in the past. I think that, that there's, there's probably a, a key uh, lesson learned that came out of Rizal Interchange, where there is a, a railway bridge which you know, becomes a, a bit of a stopgap, if you like, on on the, on the network and doesn't doesn't permit uh, overhyped vehicles through it because of uh, its height. And really thinking about where where any diversionary route for the tunnels. 
uh, come into place. We've got to make sure that we're not sending them towards yet another structure on the road network. And I think importantly, uh, what that kind of shows from a network perspective is thinking about not only that diversion uh, uh, at the tunnel portal to, to, to head off down another route, but it's really thinking about those journeys that uh, freight and industry are making to make sure that holistically we're able to, to, to take a vehicle off uh, its location and then bring it back uh, uh, to, to be able to complete its journey um, you know, somewhere on the line, as opposed to trying to expect them to, to navigate across a route um, where potentially there's overhanging branches, uh, which may well be, uh, again, a, 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 a low, uh, low height uh, challenge uh, for particular um, uh, vehicles. So the, the, the recommended uh, piece, again, uh, really trying to adapt the Australian standards um, and, and, and leverage that forward, um, hopefully is reasonably straightforward, um, but certainly would welcome any, any questions in the, uh, in the chat if anyone's got, uh, got those. Um, just some of the uh, additional considerations, uh, again, uh, really thinking about that, that mix of, of both the, the technology, the human factors uh, and, and sign design, how does it all kind of come together uh, as to as to where where we're going, um, as as a as a as a technology person, um, always keen to 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 roll out technology, but very mindful that you know technology isn't always the answer. We we need to make sure that there's a, a key bit down the bottom there of driver education. Uh, certainly, some of the states have spent uh, an inordinate sum of uh, money really trying to inform the, the the freight and logistics community to try and bring them up to uh, uh, up to speed and awareness of of uh, uh, of, of routes and, and the restrictions across routes. Um, but again, a, a lot of the time, it, it's not intentional. Um, there may just be those you know, uh, loose bucket arms that, that uh, you know, hydraulically jack themselves up and cause some of the issues. So um, whilst whilst the driver may do everything in, in, his, in his known state to, to make sure that, that uh, he secured his load, uh, it could be that it's inadvertent and potentially not uh, intentional. So I think those are some of the things that we've really uh, uh, tried to stress and, and drive into, into the updates of the guide um, to, to think about. Uh, and so certainly hope that uh, as people read both the technical report to get a, a bit of a context and understanding uh, of where things are at, uh, as well as taking the guide and, and using that in, in further development, um, that you use it very well. Uh, certainly like to uh, take the opportunity to thank everyone for attending. Um, it's been uh, useful for us to, to, to get this out there. Um, certainly, we've been uh, boiling on it. Uh, and as I say, certainly very passionate about how we, we try and improve that consistency for road users uh, across the network. And uh, thank you very much. And I'll throw back to Bob and uh, Ekaterina. Right, I'm just going to go with the first one. Um, so, uh, and I would also like to invite uh, Lindsay and Charmaine to join um, us for the Q&A. Um, first question, in the event that vehicles miss all signs, is the use of traffic signals or other immediately prior to the crash barrier, uh, bridge or tunnel, a good final solution um, warranted and effective? That, that is a good question. I, I think one of the things that we, we've, we've certainly noticed is uh, red, amber, greens are far more regulatory uh, and certainly provide a greater level of enforcement. Uh, and I think we've probably seen that uh, across a number of um, you know, states, territories and, and even internationally. So 
I think from from our point of view, I think it, it's uh, whilst it's not the, the the greatest, I think certainly having that uh, red, amber, green. Uh, sorry, uh, 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 it's not a, it's not a, it's not an amber. I think it's a, a separate colour. But uh, having a, a traffic light, if you like, to to do that regulatory um, enforcement uh, or an enforceable piece, um, really drives it. Uh, I, I suppose a good example of that is the compliance that we see around uh, potentially the uh, lane use signs um, where a red X. Uh, often isn't complied with. Uh, however, a, a red uh, a red signal over the lane is generally complied with uh, uh, a lot more consistently. If, if I may, Marcus, we've experienced both, of course, and we put in the red light cameras, and we call them red light or safety cameras, whichever you want to use, and it did make a big difference. And one of the reasons for that is they are regulatory traffic lights, and quite often cars stop before the truck. So we we get a lot more compliance from the general population, just not the truck driver. Uh, the problem is still, of course, we've still got to reverse them away from those at the moment. So it's an idea of trying to get those lights in a position where once you've stopped him, you can divert him without um, reversing. Thank, uh, thank you, Bob. Um, are speed reductions also something that should be considered, if feasible, to assist with um, drivers interpreting and acting on signage? I might, I might throw to you, Charmaine, on that one. I, I think from, from from our point of view, I, again, I think it it's, um, certainly depends on on some of the tunnel environments. I think what we see uh, with uh, a number of the the, the New South Wales um, uh, tunnels, which are which are in deployment, uh, all also form part of uh, a managed motorway type motorway network, uh, or, or certainly have some form of speed uh, regulatory control uh, on the approaches. So uh, I think it's it's certainly. Um, uh, probably helps, uh, but I think what we found is that again, depending on the environments uh, and the approaches that you've got to uh, each of the individual uh, tunnel portals, some of them are, are probably, uh, if it's a cross city tunnel, for instance, um, having a speed control on, on the approach to those is probably not necessarily going to be uh, warranted or appropriate. Uh, and I would imagine some of the um, uh, some of those in the uh, in, in the south are going to be very similar as well. I, I don't know, Shaman, you've got anything more on that one? Oh, no, I think we really do adopt them, um, more, mainly for tunnel closures. Um, but that's in the event that the, um, the overheight vehicles are really stopped or traffic. But yes, I think, I think it's helpful um, given the trials that they've done overseas. It seems to help vehicles um, in sort of diverting away. I think it gives them more opportunity to read the signs as well. Um, has there been any consideration for signage for emergency pullover areas before the obstruction? Uh, yes, yes it has. Mm -hmm. um, there's an Australian standard um, sort of regulatory sign that's already have, that's already out there. Um, usually there's emergency stopping bay signs um, in advance of the tunnel portals uh, where bays are provided. Um, but yeah, again, what what we're saying from what Bob was saying, uh, that that will also like affect the way um, vehicles are extracted out. Depending on the location of the bays, it, it will still impact traffic um, because the vehicles will need to get reversed out uh, from those locations. And and, and also, oops, sorry, also worth noting that um, again, just as the uh, in, in an ideal world, we, we've kind of shown what that that ideal. Uh, Approach would be in terms of uh, a, a greenfield site. However, um, it's clearly it's clear. Oh, sorry, 
Um, it's sorry. I'll just ignore the dog here. There are a lot of geometric constraints that we get uh, on some of the tunnel uh, approaches and entrances. And so really, I think it's it's how, how designers need to take into account, yeah, this is where probably that, that human factors piece comes into it, in that we can have signage to, to advise how we do that extraction of vehicles, yeah, where the, where, where the diversionary routes are that we can kind of push people to. Uh, and making sure that a lot of that fits within that that ability to understand, see, warn, detect, uh, and alert road users on the approach. Um, yeah, in in sometimes very constrained uh, constrained uh, spaces. Thank you, Marcus. Um, so one of our uh, participants is saying that the uh, that he noticed that the overheight vehicle diversion route for the Sydney Harbour Tunnel includes a dedicated road for stopped vehicles, which removes the need for reversing. Is this uh, standard practice during portal design, and should it be? Can I answer, Marcus? That slip lane is a hangover from when we had six toll booths and we had the space. So when we went to 100% electronic, we redesigned it to give us a, a last chance diversion, or if they mm -hmm. didn't divert, we still got to reverse them up into that slip lane. Um, the problem I'm experiencing now is there are going to be some major works very shortly on the Warringah Expressway, and I don't know what's going to happen to that lane. But I, I think it's very useful if you, if you, and I'm trying to convince the government at the moment, when you redesign it, move the toll plaza or the stop point further north so we can stop the trucks or whatever vehicles they are and then allow them to proceed south on a diversion slip lane without having to reverse them. It will save so much time. Thanks, Bob. Um, so would you consider a barrier gate system as well as lights to prevent entry? Uh, so, so I think, so I think there's Sorry, Bob. If I jump in, so I, I guess from from a from a control point of view, I think what we've what we've tried to have a look at, uh, and the, and the, at the moment, the the current guide really sets out a number of those smart uh, technology assets, if you like, and traffic control measures that need to go into it. Um, but what we've tried to do is 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 be complementary, if you like, in terms of this the overheight signage um, to be able to provide that message early. Um, I think it's it, it, in the work that we're proposing around the detection, the the, the, uh, the warning and the alerts um, doesn't negate, if you like, the the requirements within the guide to really think about what those traffic control measures need to be. Uh, which uh, again, I, I think we, we we see them implemented from uh, be they the, uh, the the regulatory traffic signals on portals or the approach to portals, uh, yeah, physical boom gate and barriers, um, yeah, movable medians, uh, yeah, yeah, changeable message signs, in pavement lighting. Um, a whole smorgasbord of different uh, assets that may well be applicable to different tunnel uh, approaches, depending on, on on the on the category. So I think it's th th they do need to go hand in hand. And I think uh, again, probably the, the scope of what we've had a look at has really been focused around the signage. But with our background, we've obviously been mindful of some of the traffic control measures, which kind of get sandwiched in between what we're probably not showing uh, in in some of those uh, schematic uh, layouts. And if I could just jump in there for a second. There's probably even a, a, a scheduling opportunity here as well where we can actually use technology with regards to Google Maps and actually know the height of every single bridge and tunnel within Australia and, and actually set up a mapping system that 
gives uh, people the ability to build it out into a into on on a computer and then load it into a GPS, and we may not even have this problem in the future. In that, but in the in the portions of time that we've got now, we want to be able to divert a vehicle at speed and not even have the delay in the first place using you know, um, control measures like sets of lights and barriers and all of those things that actually causes delay, irrespective of what's going on. The, the actual flow of traffic all the way, what we're trying to design for um, the traffic flow is to go all the way from the M1 at Hornsby down through the M2, through the Lane Cove Tunnel, through the Harbour Tunnel, and then through the Eastern Distributor as one flowing uh, system instead of having sets of lights to block it all out. And I think if we can get to a point where overheight vehicles actually understand where their diversion points are and then alternatives to get to where their destination is, 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 is a significant issue that needs to be managed. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, another question. Uh, did you have a chance to talk to track drivers during this project? Sorry, train drivers. Track track drivers. Oh, track drivers. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, so, so I think we, we we have tried to take uh, certainly some of the feedback that we've had uh, across um, uh, the the states and territories uh, from the working group, um, and and really get some of the feedback uh, in, in that particular way. Um, so we've not necessarily uh, engaged with the uh, in, uh, freight community uh, directly uh, in this regard. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I, that, yep. I mean, I have had meetings over the years with trucking industries and with governments and tried to achieve it. And, and I, I believe the trucking industry doesn't like it any more than we do. It's expensive for them when it goes wrong. But our experience with truck drivers, because we talk to them regularly, is what do you stop me for? Haven't you got something better to do? And in 29 years of operation, only once has a truck driver said, thanks, you've just saved me a lot of grief. And that's once in 29 and a bit years. So uh, I've been a truck driver, I've been a bus driver, I've done all sorts of things in my life. Uh, so I don't want to decry people who are, who are driving trucks and buses, but the minority of the ones that get us into trouble probably aren't the brightest people in the tin anyway. Because let's face it, the majority of them are doing the right thing. Thanks, Bob. Um, another question here. So all this signage, like the orange diamond for diversion route, are they taught to truck drivers uh, when they get in their license? Oh, I'll take that one. Um, <laughs> it's it's a new um, proposal or suggestion as part of this guide, so not yet. Um, but that would be um, sort of a flow on from the guide once the Australian standards has formalised uh, and done testing on symbols and um, which ones truck drivers react better to and respond to, um, that would then flow into the driver awareness um, as part of the um, as part of them getting their licence. Thanks, Charmaine. Um, another question um, about Melbourne. Um, so. Melbourne, Victoria, they have two bridges uh, there that truck drivers continually run into. Um, and despite lots of you know signage and uh, overhead noise um, on windshields and so on and so forth. So um, would you like to comment on potential solutions in addition to uh, what you've indicated in the presentation? 
Oh, that's a, a tough one, and, and I, I know I know the structures really well, uh, having worked with the Department of Transport uh, previously. Um, you know, to to have a think about what 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 and how uh, some of those uh, particular structures can be mitigated against. Uh, and I think that there's a there's a real challenge, um, and I think it's it's probably a bit uh, a bit tricky to try um, nut it out. I think we've we've had individuals uh, where uh, the signs have been flashing, people are next to the road, they can see that the, the you know that the, the warning signs are going, yet the truck drivers are still uh, ignoring it and carrying on through. So I think I think for a lot of the the the, the, the Melbourne context, I think that there there are there are um, Potential reoffenders, if you like, uh, which, mm -hmm. which, uh, which which kind of fall into that particular category, uh, and I think at the same time, it's, there's a lot of education that needs to happen uh, from from a, a freight industry as to how they deal with um, different container trucks, uh, different container sizes, um, because it's it's the it, it's the small small difference between the the, the, the container sizing, uh, which seems to be uh, probably some of the biggest issues that uh, that that uh, do occur on that. Uh, I think the the other challenge is uh, on the approach approaches to, to at least one of those uh, particular structures um, is very congested. It's, uh, it's an, an, urban, uh, an urban setting uh, where there's a lot of streetscape furniture, both uh, not only the regulatory uh, advisory and the, the, the dangly bells and everything else. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, roadside furniture, car advertising, um, you know, billboards, uh, shop fronts, things like that. So I think there's, there's quite a lot of information going on. Um, and again, I, I think it's uh, there's, there's certainly been a, a lot of work done to try and think about how those particular bridge structures uh, may well be protected in the future. Um, I think we're, we're we're probably still still looking for an answer. I know there was a, a point in time of thinking about radio break-in, uh, but uh, the ACMA isn't uh, isn't a big fan of that. So I, I think there's they're certainly uh, probably thinking about some of those uh, alternative warning signs, uh, message signs, the the name and shame. Uh, but again, just trying to get those um, you know, prime mover vehicles who are regular uh, in, a, in a vehicle or are they actually swapping trucks? Do they understand their registration plate? Um, so I think that, you know, that, that, that there's a lot of complex issues and challenges there. Uh, and I think certainly there's been a, a, a lot of a lot of funding kind of put in to try address the problem because it is it, it's, it's a significant network operational point of view for not only road users but certainly the rail as well, uh, which is uh, on, on at least one of those bridges. Thanks, Marcus. And is there also a role for WorkSafe education and uh, safe work site location requirements in all of these? I would say I would say yes. There's there's definitely that education piece uh, about know your load, uh, and I think uh, certainly there've been some campaigns in the past around know your load, uh, and I think it's 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 really just trying to get that awareness of making sure that people a both secure their load. Uh, but uh, yeah, know, know, know their vehicle heights and are aware of it a lot more. Um, a, a good example is if you pick up a hire car, um, you know, if you pick up a transit van from from any of the uh, uh, hire companies, uh, there's normally a nice big red sticker on the windscreen and on the windshield and everywhere else telling you that you know, this vehicle is uh, with the height of it. So so there can be no excuse if you if you uh, if you uh, smash into it because you know uh, the height of the vehicle. So I think that yeah, whereas uh, within the, that that freight community again. People are probably jumping into different prime movers depending on what's happened, you know, what load they're, they're, they're hauling around uh, may or may not be um, the right approach. Um, I, I think that there are there are always exceptions to the rule, uh, and I think that, that there's probably been a number of uh, high, highly publicised uh, cases of buses and things like that going through, uh, where uh, again it's 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 um, uh, certainly driver error 
is 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 uh, inexcusable in many ways for for not for not yeah understanding that uh, you know that they've got a you know driving a bus that can't go underneath um, you know a bridge or something like that. So I think there's there's any number of things like that. I think uh, within the tunnel community, I think we're probably a bit luckier. Uh, in that, for the most part, the, the, the tunnels and certainly the new tunnels are, are, are generally all, all uh, being built with about 5.5 clear, in which case, yeah, typically anything that, that, that is approaching a lot of the, the new tunnels uh, that we see across New South Wales and even those mm -hmm. planned for Victoria, um, again, anything anything that's above the legal height of you know 4.3 meters uh, mm -hmm. needs to be on a permit system, and so I think that's that's really where we we would like to tr probably try to see that driver education and enforcement piece uh, really driving into around how 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 we're, we're making sure that that road users are aware of the impacts. Uh, that they have um, but I think for, for, the, for the newer tunnels that there's probably a glimmer of hope but uh, I think uh, unfortunately Bob's still got nine months of, uh, of, of dealing with the uh, the significant numbers that he's got of uh, near misses I'm afraid. Thanks Marcus. Um, well going back to uh, Melbourne's Napier Street Bridge um, it was a case study in our report so was it considered as a good ITS solution? Well, uh, I, I think I think certainly uh, yes, because th th there's it, I, I guess what is a good ITS outcome? I, I think certainly being able to try alert and warn and provide physical measures. Um, I think that 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 particular instance uh, between Napier Street and, and Montague Street, it's it's trying to raise the awareness. I, I think that there's there's no one 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 answer fits fits everything. Uh, and I think there's probably a reduction in the number of strikes, uh, but it probably hasn't eliminated the number of strikes, unfortunately. Um, thanks, Marcus. And I think I'm just going to ask uh, the last question. So what is our obligation with regard to fulfilling a detour route? Oh. Good question. So I, I think I think at the at, at the moment uh, probably not a huge amount, and that's really what we've tried to to stress in the guide. I, I think what we find is uh, projects and project commencements will really uh, look within the scope of of uh, project boundaries to think about where where and how uh, they'll deliver it. Uh, whereas what we're really trying to you know, mandate or at least instill in designers is to have a think about that holistic route. Yeah, where 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 is that overall journey? Um, and again, I think a, a lot of this is going to be quite yeah, yeah touchy because I think yeah, not only are we diverting off uh, potentially the uh, uh, yeah the, the the road authorities uh, uh, road network, uh, but certainly we shouldn't be you know, shifting people onto council roads. But again, it's it's that it's that overall responsibility of the road authority that if we're diverting someone down you know down a particular route, that there's a duty of care to make sure that that route is still suitable and applicable. That if a truck driver drives down that, there isn't a, a low hanging branch at three point two meters um, that they're going to hit uh, as a result of you know, being sent on a diversion. So I think there's 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 definitely that that due diligence that needs to happen. Um, I think in terms of where that where that sits as a as a, as a mandate and a statutory function, um, I'm not 100% sure. I'm afraid. Thanks, Marcus. Um, all right. So these are all our questions uh, for today. Thanks uh, so much to all of you uh, for great presentation and great answers. Um, and we only have a few more slides uh, before we finish. Um, so as we're wrapping up, uh, we would like to invite our audience to 
our final webinars for this year. Uh, on the 9th of December, we will present a data provision framework that can be used by uh, road agencies to build capability in providing data to connected and automated vehicles. Uh, and the webinars on the 14th and the 16th of December will be the final sessions uh, for the year. And we will talk about uh, groundbreaking work that we have recently published that enables the testing of emissions and the release of microplastics from asphalt that incorporates recycled plastics. So for more information about the session and to register, please visit our website. And you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter uh, to receive alerts. So after we close out today's session, uh, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. So please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. Uh, it really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about this session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Uh, once again, today's session is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Katrina. Thanks all. Bye.